Welcome, friends of the Libra Solution Network. This is Gabriel for your October 2023 recap. I want to begin by wishing you all a very happy and safe Halloween. I think Halloween is one of the more exciting holidays because people really get to bring out their artistic spirit, whether it's through costumes, decorations, or even fancy candy bags. There really is no limit to what people can do artistically, and this is why the arts is something I do take quite seriously. Which is why the first series I did for discussing bridging the gap between digital autonomy and other realms of life, whether it's arts, science, finance, etc., etc., I chose to begin with artists. I'm lucky to have a couple of really good artist friends that I chose to have discussions with. There was part one with Liam and then part two with Liam and Tonica, but I am really pleased that I was able to have a great conversation with Margaret Anna Alice in part three. And Margaret Anna Alice is very big on Substack. She is a excellent source on the COVID crisis and related issues. And I think we had a really excellent discussion got to the bottom of a lot of really interesting parts of where arts and platforms and the tech really coincide, as well as the broader societal impacts. I highly consider it worth the watch, but again, every video I make goes on PeerTube. You can always get the latest and whatever I produce will be on PeerTube. And I am trying really hard to make PeerTube a, you know, grade A platform in anything I produce. I think PeerTube really is the future. Anything that can help move the power of narrative or information into the hands of the people, I consider a good thing. And so I take PeerTube very seriously because I consider it a big part of walking the walk. That said, I'm not opposed to appearing on other platforms, and I am thrilled that I was able to have attack another talk with Havore More uh, of, the, of TNT Radio. And it was really nice because he actually really liked this infographic I made about what's running on your device. I'm sure somebody who's like my level of technical expertise could nitpick it. You know, for instance, uh, I mentioned that the kernel contains drivers. You could really put libraries anywhere. But the point is, is what I wanted to discuss on his show really is the, the cyber war stuff that's going on. And we had a great conversation. It's always great to be on TNT radio, especially with Havore Morik. And I am just always glad every time to have a conversation with him. I'm also thrilled that it's almost at a thousand downloads. You know, I don't know if I've had anything multimedia wise that has actually gotten that much attention. I think that might be a new record of mine. So I'm very happy about that. Also, as part of a project I've been working on for a friend, I've been working on a DIY cyber audit document. This is a long thing that I'm kind of releasing as stages every time I finish Working on a new section, I release it as an article on the Substack. And when it comes to this, you know, I've done three parts. First is account security, two is email, and then three is browsers. And really those aren't even complete if you really think about it. They're still a little nitpicks. You could always do it. No guide is perfect, which is actually why at the beginning of the guide, you'll notice I've actually included links to many other guides that are there as well, because I think it really is important to really just 
find help people find what resonates with them maybe my guide is too long and verbose maybe somebody really just needs one of these that has a more clear cut you know where to start but i am kind of aiming for i want it to be really broad if someone has no idea what to start they can pick anything that's discussed here and i think the most important thing which is really what i started with is it really helps to have a regular audit you know you may not feel comfortable revitalizing your entire online life all at once but if you can just commit to a certain amount of time over a certain interval whether it's even you know tech related but let's be honest this is what i'm focusing on you can do a great deal just by committing to spend some regular time just gradually improving issues and you'll see massive results over time back with the cyber war theme applied cyber war hardware exploits was largely inspired by some of the rumors going around the huawei had no back doors and five eyes alliance had no you know insight into that and the challenge i have with people kind of discussing oh you should buy this device for that reason is that really it is more complicated than just what the os is running so i'll go back to that diagram of what's running on my device and it's like it really doesn't matter if there's a hardware backdoor if you're going to install google play store and have google spy on you to begin with and so i think it's important for people to really consider if hardware backdoors are something you're really concerned about you should probably be building your own device one way or another rather than just oh i'm going to change brands you know it's the, the simplistic surface level thinking that kind of repulses me a little bit lastly i also did a article on mass resistance redirected you know truthfully no matter how powerful the elites or you know the people the lizard people that really rule the earth or however you want to say it the power structure is not more powerful than everyone that's comprised of it the people do have a real voice and a real opportunity to make real changes and so the thing is is that one of the ways i try to analyze things are what are the ways in which those in power kind of try to rig the game against the public so to speak information control and censorship are obviously one of them but another one is honestly just outright scamming people and so i wrote this article partially because i was inspired to by a friend but the other thing is is that if you have a process where people are saying oh i'm i'm you know i care about what you care about and then they're just outright ripping people off you can use that money to buy more you know ability to rip people off and that creates a very terrifying feedback loop so i i did main, make sure to write about it because i do think it is a serious issue that does need to be addressed i'm part of the rounding the earth locals and i do presentations on a uh almost weekly basis now though i am trying to <laughs> wind back to at least more casual discussions but some of the presentations i've done this uh month is the world war e refresher world war e is a concept introduced by matthew crawford in his rounding the earth Substack, and i really just took some of his writings took some of the videos he's talked about and really just giving an overview on maybe world war three is more about the u.s dollar than about broader you know discussions that somebody might think it's about and so it's an interesting hypothesis i wanted to give it you know its due diligence so i presented that in the rounding the earth locals as well as a follow-up i also did my own kind of like activist guide this is in some ways a follow-up to the resistance tactics revisited presentation where i wanted to talk about okay if we have institutions that are corrupt or failing us one way or another we're going to want to reform them. And how do we actually make that reform possible? 
And so this presentation really just discusses all the ways in which you as an individual can participate in and also reform, you know, the local institutions around you. Moving on to the news, actually, um, this was quite terrifying when I saw this. So the EU, they have their Digital Services Act, which is intended to regulate social media companies. So any large social media platform is basically expected to comply with this. And they basically, you know, these are just massive amounts of takedown notices, you know, at uh, 460,000 statements per hour. So at the time I calculated, that's about 2,000 flags per minute. Now, to be honest, they do have it broken down by categories here. And listen, you know, if it was like mostly animal welfare and CSAM and other like really objectionably horrible stuff, you know, I'd be a little more comfortable with this kind of censorship engine. But the problem is, is that any tool like this will always be used for censorship. It will be used for political aims. And this is where, you know, you really see it because they give you all the data here. It's, it's straight up a censorship dashboard. And there is a ridiculous amount of stuff under other here. And even hate speech, which is kind of a broad category if you really think about it. You know, one person's hate speech is one person's right to defend themselves, you know, in the verbal arena. It's kind of tough. But you know, to me, it's it's really just the other. Maybe it's just not labeled correctly, but I'm pretty concerned about the fact that, you know, there is more regulation and legislation coming down the pipe aimed at specifically controlling narratives online. And so I think it is important for people to be proactive about not just pushing back by ch choosing, you know, platforms that are open protocols that can't be manipulated like this but you do also need to get involved locally you do need to challenge legislation that puts this kind of stuff into force because if everybody takes them at their you know word that oh this is only going to be used for the bad stuff and then it starts being used for other stuff it's kind of too late to do anything about it so it's an important thing to track and you know they're seriously putting a lot of effort into this this is a research paper on deplatforming the form kiwi farms no easy way out the effectiveness of deplatforming an extremist forum to suppress hate and harassment. And their conclusion basically boils down to they think deplatforming works. I think the problem with deplatforming working is that it really depends on what your goals actually are. If your goals are to punish or sanction a specific individual from engaging in specific activities, Yes, that is absolutely a problem that can be solved. Now, arguably, it should be solved, you know, with courts and due process and regard what, what have not. But the real problem is it has been demonstrated over and over again that really just suppressing stuff outright pushes it underground, makes discussions harder to have. And I'm not even really defending the forum here, though I am very concerned about the methods used to take it down. The real sad truth of the matter is, is that I see these tools being grabbed by governments, public-private uh, partnerships, and corporations, and they always get abused. This is not something it's like, oh my god, we did it, we solved hate. No. What all of this fundamentally does is they narrow the range of who's an acceptable target for hate, and then that acceptable target is fair game, and people are allowed to basically channel their hate into those acceptable targets, 
And this is my problem with a lot of this, you know, legislation and measures because you're actually not reducing the hate overall. You're kind of just concentrating it on whoever the whipping boy of the week is. And I think that's a serious problem. And I think that has caused so much of the anger and vitriol in the culture wars. If you weren't creating these, you know, targets of these kinds of focused hate campaigns and allowed people to discuss things, I think many things would be a lot better. In response to the overt censorship, Rand Paul is actually challenging some of the cybersecurity bills. And this may sound, you know, kind of crazy to somebody, uh, you know, uh, without looking too closely at it. But the sad truth is, is that cybersecurity now includes censorship. Governments consider it part of their cybersecurity initiatives, not to help people have more secure devices, not to help people, you know, really build better software and, and do, you know, kind of the holistic ground up ways to improve people's privacy and security. No, the whole point of a lot of these cybersecurity initiatives is to treat your mind as a cybersecurity target. If you are falling prey to foreign disinformation, you are now a, you know, strategic battleground basically. And while I understand there is a real concern when it comes to foreign you know influence and whatnot the truth is the only way you beat that is with an actually open democracy with actual you know real free speech that people can use to discuss things because this whole rigged game of corporate social media and top-down government control is really only going to make things worse over time this is a Another excellent piece on the shape-shifting crypto wars, specifically attacks on end-to-end -end encryption, because there was a bunch of, not the Digital Services Act, chat control was a EU measure where, you'll, more on that later, but the thing is, is that there was a proposal, and it's not even the first proposal, there are many proposals out there, oh, if we just got rid of secure programs and devices, then we could end this abuse once and for all. And believe me, if it was as simple as we just give this organization power and we end this problem, you know, forever, I think almost everybody would press that button. Almost everybody would be more than happy to take the deal that we just do this thing and the problem is gone forever. The sad truth is it is very clear that this problem exists in a way that is not easy to solve with these tools. Because the moment you undermine everybody's privacy and security, you have now broadened the range of, you know, the investigation. Now everybody's more vulnerable. And it's not an easy, you know, oh, we do a bit of this and then this accounts for it. No, because again, we have seen governments and corporations being willing to abuse tools and information they have access to. And so all else being equal, you know, this piece makes a good point for it, but I would really advocate that we need to enhance people's individual security to fight these things. You know, truthfully, you know, victims of sexual abuse themselves need secure devices. And so this is why I'm very uncomfortable with these tools and this top-down control, because really all it does is it enables abusers who are already in power. Now, I'm not in favor of enabling any abusers, but I don't think undermining security is the way forward. Lastly, this is a really interesting graphic by Visual 
capitalist about the underground <laughs> cables that are basically the backbone of the internet. You know, I wrote in my ISP Displatforming article that people kind of think that the internet is just this one big cloud out there that they connect to. But the honest truth is, is that this is a very complicated network of networks that, you know, are you know, duct taped together by these undersea cables. And it is crazy how much data has to go through these. From the censorship angle, I'd really caution that truthfully, whatever organizations or companies have control over these, you know, access points, if you wanted to, you know, tyrannize people in a certain region, it's possible that taking control of those and censoring information throughout those would be a point of failure. Now, there's internet over other means, you know, there's Starlink, there's satellite internet generally. There are ways around that problem. But again, I think any institution or government that's powerful enough to censor a undersea cable or networks that pass through it will have the same capabilities. So I just think it's important for people to understand that the problem of online censorship is not in one place. It's fragmented all over the internet. Who's censoring what, where? You know, even denying people internet access is a form of censoring the internet. This is an excellent piece by the EFF talking about how ad tech surveillance and government surveillance are really often the same thing. Why? Because governments will just buy the data from the corporations. Wow, big, big mind-blowing conclusion there, right? But unfortunately, it's a very serious problem. That data is fungible. They can buy, you know, that from, you know, one company and buy a different set from another company. And wow, you can put those two things together. On top of the fact that with, you know, advanced machine learning tech, you know, strategies you can do all kinds of things which includes you know there are pieces of information that may correlate even if there's no logical reason why they would but machine learning tools are excellent at figuring those out so suddenly you want to identify a bunch of dissidents in a certain area and you can take really innocuous data points and find really good correlations with that so again it's it's one of those things that it's hard when people are so apathetic about corporate surveillance and corporate data mining, because it's not just corporations, it does feed back into governments and law enforcement and whatnot. And again, we all want law enforcement to be able to do what they need to do to actually go after bad guys. But I don't think undermining everybody's privacy and security is a fair price for moderately better tools. Another piece, as I mentioned before, you know, shutting off internet access is a great way to censor people, entire groups, and entire, you know, large nation-state level fights. And I think as geopolitical tensions get higher, we have to be very careful about who we're enabling by treating these things as something you can just turn on and off like a light switch. You know... I'm no fan of Elon Musk, though Starlink itself is an interesting technology. I do think it would be an objectively good thing if anybody, if they simply wanted, could turn on a receiver and get internet access and report on what's going on around them. That would be an objectively good thing for human rights everywhere. The challenge is I personally wouldn't trust Elon Musk as the sole arbitrator for independent internet access across the world. But it's a very serious issue. And so I think any decision to cut off internet access anywhere should not be taken lightly, if at all. And I wrote a piece about that uh, ISP level uh, censorship, as well as a Tools of the Technocracy article on internet shutdowns. 
I also want to bring up this blog post by the Tor Project because the Tor Project actually does security audits of their own software. Independent security audits really are the gold standard when it comes to really any kind of secure system out there because unfortunately, it's really easy for a project or a company to make a lot of claims but not really back it up because if people see a sleek website with like really big claims, it's really easy to take that at face value, especially in the cryptocurrency safe or to space where a lot of people interpret, oh, cryptocurrency means decentralized. Oh, cryptocurrency means anonymous. Oh, cryptocurrency means, you know, perfectly secure, whatever that means in this context. And so I think when it comes to taking security tools seriously, it is very important to really focus on something that is actually independently verified, or at least can show themselves, hey, look, we're taking these audits. Hey, we're look, taking these issues seriously. There is a whole lot that can be done to really raise the profile and show your work that really does matter. And I think that's something people should prioritize. Again, not everybody needs to be super technologically savvy to improve these projects. Somebody could just fund a security company to take a look at whatever it is, whether it's a Linux distribution, whether it's Tor, whether it's some other security uh, or privacy-minded project. Independent audits are a really big deal. And I think there's something that more people should take seriously as an indicator of whether something's good or bad. I also want to address uh, GrayJ. This is a new app made by uh, Futo, it's, uh, which is a nonprofit funded to create more, you know, uh, liberty-minded technology in general. And I will actually follow this up with a review of the app. I've tried it out. I've installed it. It actually has some pretty handy features. Honestly, if you want like a really quick summary of whatever potential review I put out, I would actually say this is an excellent app. It is an objective improvement over, you know, Lord forbid you're stuck on the YouTube and the Twitch apps on your phone. I think having an app that isn't overtly spying on you, that is, you know, giving you access to these things is a net good thing. Ironically, another thing I also want to point out about what makes this kind of app special to me anyways, is as somebody with a Graphene OS phone, I can stream to a Chromecast with it when I couldn't on anything else that supports Chromecast. So that's just something that's interesting to me. It's like, wow, I actually got something good out of switching to this, but it's amazing that it allows you to follow from different things, import and export data. You know, it adds some extra identity features that I wouldn't use on top of it, but it's a excellent app as you know for a beta that's right out there you can also follow you know videos from your own peer tube and i think that is amazing i hope the peer tube support you know gets even better on this app if there was one thing you know i would love to see someone fund is you know making peer tube a first party you know citizen on this app because really this could be a huge game changer you know the culture wars and many of the corporate surveillance and censorship have been enabled by media and so if we can allow people to put themselves at the driving seat of media hey i'm all for it and uh this article is about you know how to fight for internet freedom i was actually a little disappointed in some of the recommendations they have because they're kind of like tunnel visioned on ai and i don't think ai is really the biggest deal when it comes to fighting for internet freedom don't get me wrong ai tools are excellent i think there's a lot of you know emancipatory tools that can be built uh using machine learning models but i actually don't think ai is having as big an impact on internet freedom than people think except whereas institutions will use ai for various purposes so 
my really go-to recommendations on how you can really fight for internet freedom is to really pay attention locally. I hate to say it, but if any fight for internet freedom does not involve becoming aware and of your local, you know, jurisdictions rules about the internet and really fighting for net neutrality or some form of it in your jurisdiction, that's probably going to make a bigger difference than really anything else anyone can say. Because if you're in a jurisdiction where somebody is able to just say, oh, I'm not going to let you connect to that IP because reasons, it really doesn't matter what other fancy AI stuff is going on if you're not physically allowed to connect to servers for political reasons. And that is a serious problem. Of course, there are other things you can do. You know, I'm a big fan of the Fediverse and uh, WordPress.com actually has built into WordPress itself rudimentary activity pub support, which means anyone who publishes a website or a blog on WordPress can actually allow those posts to be federated onto the wider Fediverse, which is really an amazing engagement because what the Fediverse is, is it's really interconnected social media where, you know, servers will connect to each other. I think this is like a bigger deal than, you know, I've, I've done a bit of fanfare about it, but it's, it's really something people haven't, it hasn't quite sunk in on how big a deal it really is. And so it's great to see, um, you know, WordPress building it in a way that allows for people who already have stuff set up. You know, there are a lot of people who already have their own blogs that all they have to do is update, install a plugin and turn on the setting and ta-da, they are now followable on the Fediverse, which is really great. I mean, RSS works, WordPress supports RSS. I have no problems with that. But the nice thing about ActivityPub is it's basically embedded comments. And so you can get back and forth feedback really well. And I think that itself is a huge game changer. Also, on top of this, um, Minds is now on the Fediverse as well. And this really excited me a lot. There are a lot of people I had kind of lost contact with because they were on different platforms. And I never paid too much attention to Minds really at all. But it's phenomenal that now that they've joined the Fediverse, me, you know, on my own self-hosted instance, I can follow all the people who've been there, honestly, this whole time, as far as I can tell, and I can interact, I can comment on their posts, they can comment back, you know, it's amazing what can happen when people really start embracing open protocols. And, you know, Minds is an interesting project on its own, I don't pay too much attention to it, but this was a phenomenal step, I'm paying more attention to them now that they've done this, absolutely. This is another great post about why free proprietary software will always end in tears. There's this term that's been going around a lot lately called inshittification, which is when some, you know, software or service starts out pretty great. Wow, everything's going great. And largely it's because, oh, wow, they, you know, got a bunch of funding right away and built this amazing system. And then suddenly... Oh, the financial issues sink in and then they have to cut features. They got to introduce barriers. They got to make it, you know, viable. And really it's, it's, it's tragic because it doesn't have to be this way. The fundamental model of, oh, we all work on this guy's server and we don't use our own devices is what creates this problem. If people were instead focusing on building great software for doing things on their own devices, we would really never run into this at all. The challenge fundamentally is, is that I find there has not been enough investment in building really interface building toolkits. You know, if somebody has, uh, you know, a lot of money out there and uh, wants to support independent uh, developers, I would say build something like Electron that actually performs really well. And suddenly a lot of these problems go away. You know, if you build a real UI interface builder, you know, that's free and open source that anybody can, you know, kind of build on top of, I, I think the software ecosystem could change 
almost overnight. I would like to end with something positive, you know, especially when it comes to digital freedom and freedom generally, it's hard to find good news. And while this is not a total victory, there are still problems with how the EU and other jurisdictions are trying to regulate the internet. It is actually great that the most egregious part of the chat control proposal was dealt with. And so there they didn't pass the client side scanning portion, which is good. This is good news. This is actually something worth celebrating because that was a very egregious step that did need to be stopped. Now, this is something that we really need to see more follow through. I'm glad that Europeans, I guess, are engaged enough to keep this from getting worse. And this is why it is really important to follow those who pay attention to your local you know, jurisdictional issues when it comes to online freedom. It isn't, you know, something that one person can just fix. Nobody's going to elect, you know, the perfect president and, oh my God, the internet is free worldwide forever. No, this is something that we are all going to have to do whatever we can for because it is a very local endeavor. And honestly, being flexible as far as adopting new tools goes a long way. So I am very happy to share this news with you and Thank you all for joining me this far. If you're still watching, you're definitely one of my really dedicated fans and it I really is appreciated. And, you know, I, I really am trying to do what I can to really get certain messages out to people because I pay attention. I pay attention to some of the, you know, bigger YouTubers. And I know there's some basic points thrown out, you know, oh, install Linux. Oh, you know, try Graphene OS. You know, these tips are great, but I really want to educate people on why. Why should we care about things? Why? Should we do things differently? Why are things even the way they are now? And so all the support I've gotten has really helped me refine what I'm trying to do in my mission. And thank you for helping me move forward. It really does mean a whole lot. And I hope you all have an excellent November coming up. And I hope you had an amazing Halloween. Thank you all for listening. Take care.